You're listening to Freedom Christian Fellowship's podcast. All right. Okay. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to 1 Peter uh, chapter 2. We're going to continue, and we started a series last week um, going, we're going to be covering 1 and 2 Peter, um, and we're really talking about Jesus Christ and us, the, the hope of the world, the light of the world, and I'm uh, super excited about this because I believe that the context of 1 Peter, um, we, we can understand that, we can see that. Um, Peter's speaking to a group of believers who are scattered throughout the Roman Empire and they're under just some tyrannical rule of an, a Roman emperor that is just not Christ-friendly. And so Peter is encouraging them in different language and different ways by the Holy Spirit to uh, begin to understand and embrace, truly embrace uh, the revelation that, that Jesus Christ in you is the hope of the world. Okay, and so that takes, that, that, that takes a little bit of getting used to because uh, here's the reality is that when things are tough, we don't naturally just put a smile on our face, do we? You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, hey, you wake up on the wrong side of bed and you get a little grumpy sometimes. You know, you want to kick your dog. It's a bad country song. <laughs> Somebody told me on Wednesday at the picnic, you know what happens when you play a country song backwards? <laughs> you get your dog back, get your wife back, get your trailer back. <laughs> no, I'm just... <laughs> Oh, oh, that's bad. Bad pastor. All right. I wanted you all to smile this morning. This morning, as we just continue this this understanding, our prayer for you is this, is that you would begin to meditate on the Word of God. The Holy Spirit would speak to you, that Holy Spirit would open up the eyes of our understanding so that our hearts and our minds can receive revelation, okay? Because it's only through revelation that we're, we're changed. It's not through talking. It's not through church. Listen, church is a vehicle that carries, should carry the Holy Spirit that changes our hearts and our minds, all right? And so, so here's the thing, is that today I believe that God wants to deposit a revelation of His goodness, that God is good. And in 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter uses this language, the Holy Spirit uses this language that begins to framework, uh, under, help us understand this, and it's, and it's understood through this. That God is building something in us, is building us into something, even though we sit in the middle of a world that we know. Even though there is a system uh, in this world that we understand, God is still building us into something. And there is a bit of contrast between those two worlds and even conflict. But yet... The way that we build into what God is calling us to be, into a holy people, into a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, it comes through the revelation of the goodness of God. And so God wants us to understand, and and we're going to talk about this in just a minute, but I want to just set a little bit of framework that the goodness of God is is not in comparison to your understanding of goodness. Okay? You may have a great explanation or definition of goodness, but the goodness of God is much better, and it is attached to his plans and his ways. So sometimes getting to the goodness of God means letting go of some of our ideas and our concepts, some of the things that we've clung to, letting go of those things and stepping into the plans of God that reveal his goodness. Sometimes it requires us to let go of some stuff, that, some junk in our life that we've held on to that we don't even realize that has begun to uh, become part of our identity. And Peter talks about this in 1 Peter chapter 2. So we're going to just jump right into this. Uh, actually, 
before I do that, let me say something. Um, let me reference something I said last week, please. Um, last week, I, I made some comments, and I got pretty passionate about, uh, about being the light of the world. And I made some comments and, and about the things we listen to and where we get our information from, news sources, that kind of thing. And let me, let me say this, that in my passion, and I believe God's put that gift in me in some, some regard, that I don't ever want to confuse or, or lay out misunderstanding into this congregation that it is not our job, even though we are called to be a reflection of the love of Christ, to stand up for what is true. Okay? There are times that God has given us, and part of the, part of the positioning of the body of Christ in the United States and the liberties that God has put into this country is that it, there is a time to stand up for what is true and what is right. There's not a time to roll over. There's a time to, to do those things. But we never get into a place in our thinking that we are drawn by emotion. We are, as sons and daughters, that Romans 8 tells us, we are led by the Spirit of God. So you need to be led by the Spirit of God whenever you are listening to whatever news you listen to, whatever you're doing, and whenever you're trying to engage in something, whether it's a conversation on Facebook or, or whatever it is, you need to be led by the Holy Spirit, okay? So that, that is the context, and I just wanted to clarify that. So in 1 Peter chapter 2, we're going to start at the very beginning. And the first thing is this, is that God leads us through His goodness. It's very simple to understand, but if you're taking notes, write that down. God leads us through His goodness. 1 Peter 2, 1 and 2 says this, Therefore, rid yourself of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander in every kind of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. God leads us through his goodness. The Holy Spirit makes it very clear to us here that in order to be the, the, the building that God is building in us, both as individuals and as the body of Christ, to be the reflection of the body of Christ in the world, there has to be a separation. And there's something that we've kind of lost sight of in the church, and it's the understanding of the importance of repentance. And the Holy Spirit lays this out right at the very beginning to the people here because just so that we're, we're, we're perfectly clear that this book was being written to believers here. And so that P Peter, led by the Holy Spirit, says this, listen, there is a way that you're to conduct yourself and there's a way that you're not supposed to act. And some of you may be acting that way. This is Peter speaking to the church. Some of you may be doing these things that you've learned because you've been stuck in a pattern, but I need you to understand that if God has called you into a beautiful building, if he's raising you up as a chosen people, as a royal priesthood, as a holy nation, and this is the language he uses in a few verses down, that you have to act differently. You have to come and pull yourself from a different source, from a different resource, and so the first thing that happens is this, is that you have to turn from your old ways. You have to turn from wrong thinking. You have to turn from old patterns. You've got to turn from these things. You've got to repent. The doorway into the first baptism of salvation comes through the threshold of repentance. Do not be mistaken about that. 
Even 1 John 1, 9 says this, even as believers, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all acts of unrighteousness. Why? Because repentance is an active work of agreement to say, God, I see what you're saying and I've turned to you. You are good. When we really look at repentance, what we see is this, is that we begin to see that it's a decision that the Holy Spirit prompts in our heart to have an understanding of the goodness of God, where we turn to God and say, God, you are good. We're turning from our acts of sinfulness. And Peter says this, listen, you got to turn from this place, but grace be to God, he does not keep us and lead us in a place of fear. God instead chooses to lead us in a place of goodness. In Romans 2, 4, it says this, Or do you show contempt for the riches, riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness, his goodness, is intended to lead you to repentance? Even though the, the threshold, God, God requires, demands repentance from us, from things that are, are not being of his spirit and they're not building us up into what he's calling us to, what God does is he leads us in his goodness. And that scripture there in Romans 2, of course, talks about the understanding, the full understanding that God was so good that he did not leave us to the depths of depravity that is brought through sinful nature. He did not let that go down that road, but he reached into our, into our understanding. And we should never, for even a half second as believers, ever hold any kind of contempt to that by choosing to disgrace grace. We should never by any, any chance choose to cheapen that by saying, God, because you've turned and you saved us, not by our own power, but by your power, should we ever look back that and say, that is entertaining to our senses. We turn to God and we say, God, you are good in all your ways. And this is the context that the Holy Spirit is allowing Peter to speak to us in, here, in, the, in the second chapter of 1 Peter. God desires for us to understand, to see him as good. I would just make this statement to you that it's impossible to follow Jesus without the revelation that God is good. It's impossible. It's impossible. God wants you to understand him at the very core that, that goodness, it, by definition, comes from God. Psalm 34 verse 8 says this, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed are the ones who take refuge in him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And how beautiful is, is God's mercy here. That as he leads us and he builds us into a, a, a beautiful people, as a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, that he does it through his goodness. That he leads us in his goodness, the revelation of his goodness, that he invites us to come every day and to taste and see that he is good. If you're not experiencing the goodness of God in your relationship, that needs to become the prayer of your heart. God, show me your goodness. Show me your goodness as I pray. Show me your goodness as I come into the word. Let me understand that you are good. Let me know your thoughts. Let me know your plans. Let me see them as good. Because even if God has to correct your heart and reshape your heart, the revelation of goodness is going to be a firm foundation in who you are. God desires for not only for us to understand that he is good, but he desires for us to grow and walk in his goodness every day. 
for this to become the filter by which we see. And we, we understand this from a very familiar psalm. It's a psalm that David wrote in Psalm 23. I'm reading from the New King James Version. It says, Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What is David saying? He's coming into a revelation in spite of what is happening in his life at that moment. And we know that David at this point when he writes this psalm is running for his life. He's running from Saul. He's running from his enemies. He's living in caves. And yet he writes this and he writes it through the revelation of the goodness of God. And his words are powerful. They need to become a roadmap for us as we pursue a foundation of the goodness of God. As God builds us up into a pure people. David writes this and he says, listen, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. That's not a natural thing to write when you're running for your life, is it? If David was writing from his natural self, he'd be like, I'm going to kill that fool. It would sound more like a rap song. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) He'd be like, next time I get a piece of him, I'm going to end his life. Auto-tuned, you know, whatever. (laughs) But he doesn't write that. Why? Because he understands that the one who holds his future in his hands, the Lord, is building him up into something that that no one, not even Saul's plans, could deny. And the same Holy Spirit that is speaking through David here in Psalm 23 is speaking through Peter in 1 Peter chapter 2 and saying this and saying, listen, it is through the revelation of goodness that we come to repentance. It is through the revelation of goodness that we walk with God. It is through the revelation of goodness that we stay and we filter our relationship with God. And therefore, by goodness, that God builds us up into who he's calling us to be. It is through his goodness This needs to become the filter of our life. And again, the one thing about understanding God's goodness is that it comes through a decision that we make to agree with it. Some of you have to change the things that you're agreeing with, things that you're saying, the things that you are partnering with with your mouth. And you need to begin to say, God is for me. God's word is for me. And this may require you having to change some understanding of what you are supposed to be doing. One of the most difficult things for believers when it comes to understanding the goodness of God is this. Is separating their plans from God's plans. The revelation of goodness comes through the perspective of God's plans for us, not our perceived plans for ourselves. Why? Because when we step into that place, what we're really being led by is by personal happiness. Can I I say something to you in gentleness and love? Personal happiness is not a biblical concept. You know what is a biblical concept? The joy of the Lord. You know where the joy of the Lord comes from? The revelation of his goodness. When you are firmly, your heart and your mind are firmly gripped by the truth that where God leads you, it is good. Joy fills your heart. And when joy fills your heart, there's nothing that can rage around you that is going to deter you from becoming what God has called you to be. And this is what Peter, this is the Holy Spirit saying through Peter. He's saying, listen, some of you need to allow God to just rearrange your perspective a little bit. You've been living this way, but it's time to just say, God, I'm sorry. You need need to 1 John 1, 9 it. You need to say, God, I'm sorry. I'm repenting because I'm beginning to see your goodness. This is how you want to lead me. 
and I'm choosing to follow your goodness. And then he goes on and says this, is that God not, not only leads us by his goodness, but he marks us with his goodness as well. And we see this further down in 1 Peter chapter 2. In verses 9 and 10, God marks us with his goodness. It says this in verse 9 and 10, it says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are a people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. The Holy Spirit begins to define what the mark of goodness looks like on our lives. He calls us a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. These three things are extremely significant because in his goodness, God has chosen to adopt us. This is what it means to be a chosen people. Listen, I, I got to, um, I, I'm blessed. My family is blessed um, just amazingly with great genes. All of my kids are cute. All of my nieces and nephews are cute. And none of them look like me. <laughs> what does that tell you about genes? They ain't mine, right? You know? <laughs> and I got to hold my beautiful little nephew, Everett, um, this last weekend. He is, he's, boy, he's big. He's, he's chunky. I think he might even be in here somewhere. Listen, he's big and chunky, big old little boy. And, and I, got, I got to tell you something about this, this, this little guy and, and with, my, with my brother and sister-in-law, that the understanding that Everett doesn't understand the full grips of what it means to be a son of Josh and Penny. That's my brother and sister-in-law. He doesn't understand it. But I, I could promise you that um, my sister-in-law, Penny, who is a probably, no offense, a, a hundred pounds soaking wet. I mean, she's little. That if a bear tried to come get her little boy, she would rip that bear's head off. Here's what I'm telling you. Is that when the scripture calls you a chosen people, it's calling you an adopted people. And it's bringing you into the understanding that when God saw you, he did not just simply get, at, get rid of your old school stinking thinking when it comes to just being saved. Get rid of that. He didn't just save you. He didn't just pull you out of sin. Is that he pulled you into a place of understanding that whose you are. That you belong to somebody, and that somebody loves you. That somebody knows you. That somebody comes with the full extent of all the plans and purposes that you might not yet understand. But not only that, it comes with the protection of saying everything you need is going to be provided for you as being chosen and pulling into the family. That's good news. Man, that is good news. We're not a heap of rejected people in despair. Listen, some of you have come from awful families and broken families and things that you've shut out of your thinking. And grace be to God, the good news of God, the goodness of God is that he's pulled you from that despair into his family. You're a new creation. We're not without resource. We're not without future. Here's the truth about this, what God is building into us and why this is good. And this is how God marks us with his goodness when it says that we are a chosen people. is because what owns you will define you. 
And don't for a second think that, there is, there, that you are a person who is unowned. Even in Scripture, the Scripture tells us that we are owned. If we're sons and daughters of God, that we are owned by God. What owns you will define you. Why do you need to come into the revelation of the goodness of God concerning the fact that you've been adopted if you've confessed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? It's because it delegitimizes anything else that has ever tried to own you in your life. It breaks the authority of that in your life and pulls you into proper ownership. Let me show you in the scripture that that's true. Romans 8, 12 through 15 says this, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh, You're not in debt to your addiction. You're not in debt to your rejection. You're not in debt to despair. You're not in debt to sin. You're not in debt to that anymore. There's a clear line. Not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Listen, you're debtors not to sin. You are debtors to life. You are debtors to life because you have been purchased with a very valuable price. And as a chosen people, it becomes a mark on us of the revelation of the goodness of God on us. We begin to carry that as people who are marked as sons and daughters People who have been brought into the family. And he goes on and he says this. It doesn't just stop there. And I love this about the scripture because I believe in the way I see this is in layers. It says that he calls us a royal priesthood. In his goodness, he has marked you and called you to great things. He's called you to greatness. See, Peter was speaking to a people that understood what it meant to be a priest. He was speaking to people who came out of a Jewish religious understanding and had received Christ as the Messiah, but they understood the importance of the high priest. And what Peter was saying is, is he's saying, listen, God is building, is building you into a beautiful spiritual home. He begins to rearrange their thinking and he pulls them from a place of temple worship Understanding temple worship, where they had to go to Jerusalem, where they had to go to the high priest, and they had to make sacrifice, and the priest took the blood and carried it into the Holy of Holies before the presence of God for the atonement of sin. He said, listen, through Jesus Christ, that is no longer the structure that's been put in place. See, Jesus Christ was the foundation stone. He was the living stone. And even though they rejected him, you were put inside of him so that the Holy Spirit could build you into a spiritual temple. And he's using this language so that they begin to understand that this, like, just like the temple in Jerusalem that housed the presence of God, the very presence of God, now because of Jesus Christ, the very presence of God is in you. And no longer do you need a mediator, but because of Jesus Christ, the high priest, you're able to go and access the very presence of God by your request because you are a chosen people. You have been adopted by the blood of Jesus. What is Peter saying here? Not only have you been brought into the family, but you have been given a place of authority. You've been given a place of authority. 
God marked us by his goodness by giving us that place. We don't go and we don't beg God. And, 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 and can I, let me be bold again and say this to you guys, that, that if your prayer life consists of you begging God because you're hoping that he deems you good, that you've been good enough, that you're not praying the right way, that you're not playing, praying from a biblical place of authority that God's giving you through Christ Jesus. That you need to pray with authority. Why? Because God sees you as a royal priesthood and you're able to access the very presence of God and go before God himself. Why? Because the blood of Jesus covers you. It's sprinkled over you. You're righteous and you stand up and as you go in, you make your request and you're not just, just begging God to do things, what you're doing is you're saying, God, I thank you that you're meeting my request. I thank you, God, that you are hearing my prayers. God, I thank you that you hear me when I pray. God, I thank you that in this place as a royal priest, what I'm able to do is experience your intimacy. See, because being a priest means this. It's not just about a powerful position, but it's also about proximity. Because the high priest was the only person able to go into the very presence of God. And isn't it amazing that through Jesus Christ, God took that system down and put that system in our heart. And because of the Holy Spirit, that we have access to be to the very throne room of God. That we have that place of intimacy. And if we're not exploring the depths of the intimacy that we have with God, then the revelation of goodness is going to be so far from us. I just believe that there's, there's, there's a people that are hungry for something different. I believe that there's a people that are hungry for something more. I believe that there's a people that are tired of doing things the, the way that they've always been done when it comes to church and it comes to religion. But there's a people that are hungry for the very presence of God. And God has given us access at this place. Listen, there's no hindrance. There's no blockage between that reality and what God says we can have. But we've got to step into it. We've got to step into it. Why would Jesus ever tell us, blessed are those who hunger and thirst, for they shall be filled, if he did not give us a vehicle for which to be filled by? And he has. And we've got to explore it. It's a smorgasbord that never closes out, never tells you to go home because you ate too much. Listen, this is the goodness of God, but we don't explore the tip of it. And God is calling us into a revelation of his goodness by which it begins to form something in us. And the language that the Holy Spirit is using through Peter is huge. Sometimes it's lost on us because we don't have an understanding of that culture, but I don't want it to be lost on you. Because Peter's looking at fishermen and and moms who stay home and he's looking at teachers and he's looking at common folks and he's saying, you're not separated anymore from the very presence of God. But God loves you so much that through Jesus Christ, the revelation of his goodness draws you close. Walk in the door. (laughs) Walk in the door. Walk in the door. You're a royal priesthood. And then he goes on and says, you're a holy nation. He marks us with his goodness because he set us in his body. He set us in his body. And this is the most beautiful thing that God has done. And this is really a testament of his goodness to the earth as well. Because he's speaking to a people here and he's saying, I know you're scattered. And sometimes if we're honest, we feel scattered. But one of the revelations of the body of Christ is this, is that you're not alone. 
And that there are people that God has seated right beside you and gifted, just like he's gifted every one of you. And if you, are, if you have made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, you are gifted. You are gifted. There is something in you that God has placed in you that is important, not just for you, but for the rest of the body. And he's seated you in. He's joined you together. And listen, if this is your church and this is your home, you're here for a reason. Because there's life in you and there's gifts in you and there's, ta- there's talent in you, but there's encouragement in you. And as the body of Christ begins to grow in the fullness of Jesus Christ, you know what takes place is that the world sees it. And so in essence, the Holy Spirit, through Peter is saying this. He's saying, listen, I know that you're a scattered people all throughout Rome. I know you feel disenfranchised. I know you feel alone. I know you feel abused. I know you feel all these terrible things. But I want to tell you really who you are. You're a chosen people. You're a people that God saw, that God loved, that God adopted, that God clothed with his identity, that God owns. He leads you in his goodness. You're a royal priesthood. You're a people of position. God desires for you to walk in intimacy, and he asks you to come into his very presence, and he gives you the authority to do so. But not only that, you've been seated as a nation together. You've been seated as a nation together, and God is pouring out his spirit upon his body, and his body is still moving on the earth. The revelation of God's goodness is seen through his body. And what it does is it causes us to be different in the world. It causes us to declare the praises of him. It causes us... To be a people of mercy and to walk with mercy, we begin to demonstrate the mercy of God. And then finally, our goodness has a response in our life. The response of goodness, of God's goodness in our life. There's just a couple of things that Peter says, and this is changes the way we walk. And this is the practicality of God's goodness in our life. Because as we look down a little bit further in 1 Peter chapter 2, what we see it's Peter talking to the church and saying, there's some difficult situations that some of you are in. Some of you are, have unf- unfit and unfair rulers that are ruling over you. You've got unfit and unfair bosses. Some of you are, are actually slaves. He says it to them. And, you, and your masters are, are cruel. All of you are living under an, an empire of Rome that, that doesn't like you, that hates you, that persecutes you actively. But if the goodness of God is in you and God is leading you through your goodness, then it must, it must, it must have an outward manifestation. Even in spite of the things that are happening in and around your world. Three quick things. In 1 Peter 2.12 it says this. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they see your good deeds and glorify God the day he visits us. This is what Peter's saying here. Is that the goodness of God in us, as we are led by the goodness of God, should have an outward manifestation. The world should be able to see it. The world should be able to see it. And they should be able to see God in it. Through it. It should cause them to glorify God. So you know the one thing that I love about this last little passage in First Peter chapter 2 is that Peter doesn't tell them to go run in a corner. Peter doesn't tell them to go hide out and to be separated from the world. What the Holy Spirit does is say, you've got to actually live your life through the revelation of goodness in the world. 
Why? Because as God is building you into a, a holy temple, as God is building you into a spiritual people, a good people, a people called by his name, he's asking you to be light into the world. And so there's a, a, there's a fruit of our lives that has to be seen, that should be seen to the world, that the people of the world should see the goodness of God on us by the way we act, by the way we respond to things in our life, what we do when things aren't so easy, how we glorify God through our actions, through our deeds. And it has a fruit that it bears. It has a fruit that it bears. Part of Part of who we are as Freedom Christian Fellowship is this, is that we desire to see freedom come in our lives, but we also desire freedom to come to the people around us. By no means do we believe that our church is just confined to the walls of this building. By no means do we feel that the Holy Spirit in this church is confined to the walls in this building, but the Holy Spirit of God goes out, and how does it go out? It goes out through you. It goes out through us. It goes out as we have the revelation of the goodness of God and we begin to live our lives and grow into the things God's calling us to do and goodness flows out of us. And sometimes, friends, listen, it's just as simple as the way we respond, isn't it? The way we respond, the way we choose to respond to things in our life. And this is honestly what I love so much about, about the, the word here. As Peter unfolds this, is that he's teaching the church how to respond to just simple things, their day-to-day living. And the truth of the matter is this, is as believers, if we would just make a core agreement to respond the right way day to day, that the world would see the goodness of God in us and begin to glorify God. It goes on in 1 Peter 2, 16 and 17, it says, live as free people. That's good. But do not use your freedom as a cover up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Mm. This is where it begins to get a little bit more difficult. And the Holy Spirit asks us to really push the boundaries of the goodness of God in us. And it calls us to this just deep reality that we must wrap our hearts and our minds around. Brothers and sisters, listen. We must wrap our hearts and minds around this. As the church in this very hour, that we are slaves to God. That we are slaves to God's love, that we are slaves to God's goodness. And as a result, what takes place is this, is that respect flows out of us. It's impossible to respect somebody if respect and honor is not in you. It's no mystery that God calls us a chosen people first. It's no mystery that God corrects our identity first. Why? Because in correcting our identity and calling us sons and daughters of God, it allows us to be honored so that we can give honor. And this is what the word here literally means when it talks about respect, is that you are showing honor. And that's difficult when people are doing, doing you wrong, or even just simply difficult when you don't agree with people. But God asks us to honor them, to see them the way God does. It doesn't mean you have to agree with them. It doesn't mean that you have to become a doormat. But what it does is say, says is this, is that you genuinely have to seek and ask the Lord to see them the way that he does. And sometimes the best thing to do in those situations is say nothing at all. There's an old country song. You say it best when you say nothing at all. Some of you know what that is, right? 
Some of you need to adopt that philosophy. You need to understand that, listen, if it's hard for you to do this right now, then the best thing to do is just not say anything at all. Why? Because this is God's command, and the only way that the world sees the goodness of God, especially in the midst of these situations that I believe are a bit contextual to the way we live now, is when we choose to let the goodness of God rest in us, to see the goodness of God through us. It goes on and says this, love the family of believers. Justin, you can come on up. This is, this is probably one of the most amazing things that we have to embrace as a people of God. That the love that we have for one another, rooted in the love that we have for Jesus Christ, is, has the ability to strengthen and heal each other. Let me, let me say that again. The love that we have for each other, rooted in the love of Jesus Christ, has the ability to strengthen and heal one another. That there are things that we walk through in the course of a week or even a day sometimes where we get banged up. And the place that God and why God has seated you in the body of Christ and has called you to a fellowship and why local fellowship is important. I don't even care if you come to this one. Go to one, please. Why it's important if you're a son or daughter of God is because the love and the care that flows through the body is able to encourage, it's able to heal, it's able to restore. So Peter looks down at them, the Holy Spirit says, Peter, tell them to love each other well. Why? Because life is just genuinely tough. But I don't ever want it to separate them from going after the things I've called them to. I don't ever want it to separate them from the goodness of God. And if I were to ask you to raise your hands, and don't, don't do it right now, some of you have felt the goodness of God through a personal touch of somebody in the body before. When they put their arm around you and they prayed for you, and you said, God, I was on my last leg, and I just needed to know that you loved me. And somebody came and said, hey, I love you. I see you. I know you. Let me pray for you. How are you doing? How's things going? And that needs to happen. It needs to circulate throughout the body. It's super important. It's super important. Love one another well. It goes on and says this. Fear God. Can I tell you how that you can honor the injustice that's leaders? You don't have to like our president, but you have to honor him. You know how you do that? You know how you honor people you disagree with politically or whatever, however the way? And, and you, please hear this. If you don't hear anything today, please hear this. Let the fear of God be the thing that guides and guards your heart. Because where the fear of God is in you, the fear of man cannot be. But when you fear the Lord, you're not worried. You're not worried. And you're not trying to prove anything either. Let me say that to you. You're not trying to prove anything either. See, when you fear the Lord, you don't have to defend God. You don't have to defend God against every negative thing that you hear. You don't have to do that. God does not actively need your defense. He needs your heart. He needs to know that above all things that you fear his name. Why? Because the last thing that Peter says may be the hardest. Honor the emperor. 
There's some debate as to what this word emperor means, whether or not it meant the emperor of Rome or the leader, the king, whatever it was. Can I tell you something that doesn't matter? It speaks of those who are in authority over you in, a, in your country. There is a truth about what God is doing in the land today, and there's so many voices and so many things being said. We know that for sure. But the unity of the believers under the banner of the fear of the Lord has to be consistent in order for honor to fill the land. In church, if you call yourself a son or daughter of God, I want you to hear this, please. The concept of honor and respect, of love and dignity, the truth about life, all these things, they are not ever supposed to be mediated out from the world. They're supposed to come from the church. And when the goodness of God fills our hearts, it changes the way we respond so that we can bring honor that heals. We can speak the truth in love because we fear God and God alone. There's love in the body so that people know where to go when they're broken. And that respect fills the land. You see that? God gave a design. And then finally, in 1 Peter 2, 23-25, it says when Peter's talking about the, the model of Jesus Christ, he says, when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When they suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you that you were like sheep going astray, but you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Peter closes this passage in the second chapter by this passage that we just read. When we choose to live in the goodness of God with the revelation of God's goodness in us, it becomes something that extends past what we do in our natural self into a supernatural truth inside of us. It begins to bear supernatural fruit inside of us. We begin to live to righteousness, but not only that, we begin to see the healing of God in our lives, in our spirits, in our minds, and even in our physical bodies. The revelation of God's goodness cannot be overlooked when we choose to follow the one who is the shepherd of our soul. And this is the whole point of what Peter is saying here. He's saying, look to Jesus. If you look at the model, when it concerns the things that you do on this earth and how you let goodness come out of you, look to Jesus. Do what Jesus did. He trusted his father. He did not, he did not turn away from the scorn. He, he, he took it on himself. Why? Because he understood that something was being produced through him. That the stripes that were being inflicted upon his life, were, were, they were producing something for you and for me. And in our own lives, when we choose to allow the goodness of God rest on us, it produces something supernatural. By simply coming into the revelation of goodness, God can heal broken hearts. I believe that with all my heart that today God wants to take some of you into a place of the revelation of his goodness that allows you to let go of some of the pains of your yesterday. 
I believe that some of you today, that the revelation of goodness in your life comes in the form of physical healing. That God wants to reveal himself as the good father and he wants to touch your physical body because he is able to do that and heal you completely. And this is what the Holy Spirit is saying to us here, is that as we choose to let the goodness of God flow through us, we model the life of Christ in us. And it becomes a supernatural act. It becomes a supernatural act. Let's pray. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus for your word. Thank you for the revelation of your word. God, I thank you that you're molding us and shaping us into a a beautiful people, Lord. That you're forming us in a spiritual, a spiritual house, a spiritual temple, God. That you're leading us by your spirit, God. And as you do, Lord, the revelation of being a chosen people, being a chosen people, being a royal priesthood and a holy nation, God. Form that in us through your goodness, God. This morning, Father, if we need to turn from some of the stuff that has kept us from growing and being what you called us to be, God. We embrace that and we turn from those. We repent and we turn to your goodness, Lord. It's your goodness that leads us into repentance. And Lord, if we've taken in and we've cheapened grace in any way, Lord, we repent and we turn to you. God, and we turn into your goodness and we thank you, Lord, that even in our day-to-day living, Lord, let the revelation of goodness, your goodness, fill our hearts and begin to direct our steps and direct our responses and direct our choices. And let Christ come out through us that the world may see the goodness of God in us and glorify you, Lord, and the things we say and the things we do. Father, I thank you, Lord, for these people, what you're doing and what you're building in them, God. I thank you, Lord, for the gifts that you put inside every person. Lord, I thank you for the love that is in this body. The love of Christ, Lord, let it grow and let it abound. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Would you stand to your feet, please? This morning, if you need some prayer, I want to invite you to receive prayer at the front. Like I said this morning, one of the, one of the worst things is some of you, this is, this is you today. And I'm asking you, please do not leave this morning without taking advantage of this. In just a second, I'm going to ask Pastor Ken and Jean to come up and Keith and Carol to come up. And if you are in your physical body, there's sickness. And you say, God, I need a touch of your goodness and I need to see your healing. We want to pray for you. I need to be perfectly clear about that. We believe Jesus can heal you. And we would like to pray for you because we believe God wants you to know he is good. And, in, and if you need prayer for anything, if you need prayer for, for anything you're walking through, we want to join with you. Maybe you need that, 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 that arm wrapped around you, that loving touch, just to let you know you're not alone. Don't give up. Let us pray for you. If you guys would come now. If that's you as we close this service, come up and receive prayer. Please do. In the name of Jesus, I bless you with the grace of God, the peace of God, the goodness of God. Be filled in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you need prayer, please come forward. If not, we look forward to seeing you Wednesday. Have a great week.